Welcome to the Kingdom Influencing Podcast, and I'm your host, Derek L. Calhoun. KIP, for short, brings you an exclusive look at the nature of humanity as we interface with culture and society in and out of our relationship with God. It explores the unique and contrasting position of having a biblical worldview versus a secular or societal worldview. I will explore these topics using the powerful and dynamic tools of the didactic narrative, teaching a relevant truth through storytelling, biblical exposition, teaching Bible principles, and of course, real talk. My background scans a diversity of over 35 years of work in education, government, law, ministry. Welcome back, Kingdom Influencing Nation. Special shout out to those of you who are listening in Aruba and Bolivia. I saw you guys uh, on my last analytics and I appreciate all of you listening all over the United States and all over the world. Today we're continuing with part two of a special marriage anniversary special. I'm here celebrating with my queen, with the woman of my dreams, my teenage sweetheart. That's right, we've been together since we were 19 years of age. The woman that makes my neck turn, make my head turn. The woman that made me break my ankles. (laughs) That's right. That's my wife, uh, Sharon. Uh, I call her Jay. Um, introduce yourself. I know you're a life coach and everything, but just just say something to the people before as we get ready to get started here. Of course. Hello, Kingdom Influencing Nation. How is everyone? Welcome, welcome. It's a pleasure to be here with you today as we speak with you regarding marriage. Thank you, honey, for having me on your podcast. I am grateful. I am happy, and I am looking forward to doing this with you. So, KIP. K-I-N, here we go. All right. K-I-P, Kingdom Influencing Podcast. K-I-N, Kingdom Influencing Nation. Here we go. Mm. I want to pick up where we left off, um, Jay. We were kind of talking about uh, the three foundational principles of marriage or the core of marriage. Mm -hmm. We went through a series of uh, principles under each core, mm-hmm. but I believe you started with finance, and the second one was legacy, and the last one was education. And at the end, we were kind of hitting education towards the end of our program uh, podcast on last week. So, mm-hmm. what I'd like to do is kind of like pick up with a little education, and if you could speak to that in any way that you're being led, and um, then we'll, we'll we'll move on in the show. So, what, what sure. do we have? Well, so for education, um, I just want to, I want you to think about this. How do you show up in life? Are you your best version of yourself at all times? Do you represent yourself well or are you offensive to others? And this falls under education because sometimes we need to take a self-evaluation, although we're in a marital situation. Sometimes we need to just do an individual self-assessment of ourselves and think about some instances, events, times, places in our lives, and perhaps we need to do some self-improvement or either you know, do some continuing education um, on a personal level or in a career to obtain that self-improvement. So you know, I just want you to think about that. And I'm going to move on while you're thinking about that to continuing education as it relates to your career. 
Uh, do you need to go and take some classes? Do you need to go back to school? Uh, do you need to, you know, develop some new personal interests, some things you may have always wanted to do, some dreams you've had? Is it time for a career change? All of this affects our marriage, and that's why I put this under marriage education per se, um, because we have to take inventory. Just generally speaking, every five years we do change, we do evolve. So I would suggest every five years you take a personal inventory of where you are, where you've come from, where you would like to go. And as you do that, I think you will see that you will need to make some adaptations to some proper cultural arenas that you may be looking to dwell in or delve into or even stay in. And if you're happy and you know there's no need to do anything, then you're fine where you are. You see no room for improvement or a necessity, then so be it. And, you know, only you would know that. However, you know, as it relates to your marriage, to keeping the, the, the honey in the moon, if you will, you need to invest in some marriage conferences, um, some marriage counseling if needed, uh, online marriage courses. It's a whole plethora of, of things that you can look into to keep the honey in your moon for your marriage. But even though we do work together and do things together for the marriage, you still have to kind of take a self-individual assessment uh, and, and determine where you are, what you need to improve on, what you need to enhance, perhaps what you need to let go of and move on to. So under education, I think those things are important. So I'm going to break here and I want to ask you, honey, mm -hmm. in your opinion, because if you look at the last decade or two or three, we see a lot of divorce and even i'm not talking about for people who don't know christ i'm speaking of people that are christians who say they name the name of christ they're getting divorced in record numbers so in your opinion what are the top three reasons marriages don't last if you if you if you just uh, don't mind just for a second I, I was intrigued by what you were saying earlier and I, i'm going to get to that question but I want to make sure that everyone understands. So you're saying that self-reflection, self-development, self-assessment, all of these roles are triggers in a person's marriage. Absolutely. And that if a person is unsatisfied or unhappy or unfulfilled in those areas, then that kind of, uh, those negative behavioral patterns will eventually spill they spill over into the marriage yeah. and and you spoil the marriage and cause derision and uh you know havoc because one individual is not happy but their happiness has actually nothing to do with their spouse but everything to do with their place in life exactly if you're not being fulfilled in your current place in life if you're not challenged if you're not um looking to the horizon for the next great thing that you're supposed to be doing with your gift and your talent, then you're going to be bored. And when you get bored, now you start to develop other unhealthy habits that you don't need to do. And I'll let you use your own imagination. But in a marriage, you should always be fulfilled. You should always be looking to, you know, develop yourself to enhance yourself. Uh, you have been given, given rather, skills, you've been given dreams, you've been given things that, interests that you personally have. So maybe it's time to maybe look forward or towards those things and leave what your, to leave your current situation where it is. It's time to move forward. Okay. That sounds good. 
And that, that helps me too because now you gave me a couple of minutes to think about what I want to say <laughs> to answer that question. Uh, top three is marriage don't last. Um, the first one I would suggest is a lack of covenantal understanding. And I'm going to uh, go back into what that means. I'm just going to give my, my top three. A lack of covenantal understanding uh, is first. My second thing would be selfishness. Mm -hmm. And my third thing would be communication. Hmm. And um, if I was to revisit those in reverse, it is critically, critically, critically important that couples communicate. So, for example, the thing that you were sharing with us with self-reflection, self-development, uh, self-enhancement, those kinds of things, moving forward and not being stagnant in a mm -hmm. particular position or a particular title or, mm -hmm. you know, even your workout ethic or, or whatever it is that you use as habits for personal development it's cr incredibly important that you talk to each other when you're going to make these changes in life that that is very true and it's important that you talk to each other and not project onto each other okay that is a distinct clarion difference okay because i may be making a change and you're not making a change and so because i'm making a change that doesn't necessarily mean that it's time for you to make a change. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, God puts together opposites, so it may be we're alternating our change mm -hmm. patterns so that each of us has the opportunity to adjust, to aid, to assist, to mm -hmm. abet that other individual in making their change. Yes, and also it keeps the, the marriage balanced. So so that that's critical. That that That's critical. Uh, communication. I don't think people talk enough, um, and, and be honest with you, um, just talking by text, I think text is one of the most misinterpreted uh, digital platforms or methods of, of communication, communication yeah. because text is really based on how you feel. It is. And so if I receive a text and I'm having a bad day, I interpret that text through the lens of that bad day. Mm -hmm. Whereas the person on the other side, the sender, may have been having a wonderful day and in their mind was saying things very politely, but mm -hmm. my perception of that was that it was rude or was, you know, repulsive or something of that magnitude. Right, and it's so funny you use that as an example because that actually happened to me. Okay. Someone sent me a text, and because I was having a bad day, I literally interpreted the text incorrectly. And so my response to them literally yielded them to respond back to me with a question mark. Was They were completely lost. They just were, they did not understand why I would say that. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm like, okay, we're not going to do the text thing. So I just literally picked up the phone, made a phone call, and we talked it through. And then it was discovered that I incorrectly misunderstood what the person was saying via text because I was having a bad day. Yeah. And after they explained it, I, you know, quickly apologized. I said, I'm so sorry. I said, perhaps I shouldn't have responded um, when I did, but I didn't want to string you out. And so that can definitely happen. So, and, and that happens often in marriage. Uh, miscommunication, uh, people not allowing the opportunity. Now, I want to leave in this area where we're talking about communication. We spoke briefly about sender and receiver. There has to be, one individual must be responsible. This is responsible communication. So responsible communication is literally where one person is, where the, the couple is intentional about their communication. They're uh, they have a system 
The system is that one person is going to be the sender. Mm -hmm. In other words, whoever has the complaint or the offense or maybe the compliment, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be negative, can be a positive uh, message that's being sent, is going to send the message. The other person, on the other hand, is not in a posture for rebuttal. Mm -hmm. They're not in a posture that they're going to be trying to out-talk their spouse uh, or or really not listen to their spouse. In other words, they're, they're hearing them, but they're not listening to them. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the seat of tons of intense fellowships, arguments, and eventually divorce, because people are not hearing each other, and they're not allowing each other to express their opinion without the other person rebuttaling that opinion based on their domain of thinking. So the, the converse of that is when the roles reverse. The other spouse now gets an opportunity to be a sender and the other spouse then is the receiver. The whole idea is that the receiver is able to recant mm -hmm. or repeat back to their spouse. Verbatim. Verbatim. What, what did you just say to me? Yeah, if you're actively listening, you will be able to repeat back verbatim exactly what they said to you. So that's the intentionality. Yes. It's active listening. Active listening. You have to be an active listener. And most couples are not active listeners. They are competing senders. And competing senders uh, is, ne is never going to amount to anything. The outcome of that is always going to be conflict. Yeah, exactly. Disaster. Okay. <laughs> so my, my other thing, I said I, I'd go in reverse from communication is to talk about Selfish. um, selfishness selfishness so here here's the thing most people are selfish most people and, and i'm going to define selfishness my definition of selfishness selfishness is excessive love for oneself most people love themselves so much and there's nothing wrong with loving yourself but when you get into the marital covenant and i'm going backwards to the foundation the marital covenant is not about one individual. The no. marital covenant covenant is about the fulfillment of the relationship that Christ has with the church. Therefore, Christ must be the head of the marriage. There's one problem there. Couples are getting married, and this is going to go back to number one, but couples are getting married without Christ in their relationship. Yes. Couples are getting married without a proper uh, marital education foundation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, couples are getting married, and, and I want to say this, without becoming friends. Yes. See, the necessity of being someone's friend, you can't be a friend to someone else and be selfish. No, you cannot. You know, not, not true friendship. No. Uh, true friendship, a, a, a brother or a friend is born for adversity, and so they're going to be there through thick and through thin, and they're looking out for the needs of their friend. Exactly. Yes. Because that's part of having the relationship called friendship. Um, it's incredibly important. I think you and I had that for four years yeah, before we, we friends, got married. Yeah. We were best friends. We were. You know? And so our relationship <laughs> was built on friendship yes. as opposed to anything else. And not else. sex. And not, not sex lust. And not lust. It was built on friendship. And, in uh, Christ. In Christ, exactly. And our friendship propelled us into courtship and our courtship yes. into marriage mm -hmm. okay and so I, I i think a proper indoctrination a proper indoctrination to uh 
not being selfish and, and understanding the marital covenant. So let's talk about the marital covenant. I'm just going to read a passage of scripture very quickly so that people can, after they leave this podcast, go and examine this for yourselves. And you've probably read it before, but I'm not going to assume that you have. Genesis chapter 2, looking at verses 21 through 24. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and his mother and will be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And that's the platform. Your reason you can't be selfish is because you have now joined yourself with the concept. Here's the construct that we are going to be one. Yes. We can't be one if the only person I love is, is myself. me. That's right. <laughs> you see, you know, and that's the root of selfishness. Yes, it is. And so it's also a place of immaturity. And so you can't get married if you're immature, if you're selfish, if it's all about you, if it always has to be your way, your way. It, it's just not going to work. So in and my you know, estimate, go ahead. Another form of selfishness too is always having to be in control yeah. because, you know, you want it your way, my way or no way. Okay. You know, that's another form of selfishness, always right. having to be in control, always having to have the last word, always having to outshine your spouse. You are selfish. That's right. Now, and now there is a way to be selfish. There's a way to be selfish when you decide that you're going to outlove your spouse. Right. In other words, I'm going to love you more than you love me. I'm going to spoil you. I'm going to enjoy you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make moments with you. Mm -hmm. I'm going to have fun with you. Yes. I'm going to look out for you. Watch this. I'm going to love you as Christ, Christ loved the, the church. church, that he gave his life for it. So my selfishness is toward taking care of my spouse. Right. And vice versa. Vice versa. Okay. So, yeah, that that's critical importance. And I think those things there uh, would help many couples today just to take a step back, examine yourself, and ask yourself, am I selfish? Because the selfish individual, to going back to what you said, when I get ready to do self-improvement, self-reflection, mm-hmm. self-discovery, mm-hmm. man, that person's going to have fit. <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> because they want, you know, I want to have self-improvement. They're like a toddler. They are infant. Exactly. They want what they want when they want it. Exactly. That's the bottom line. Exactly. Let's take the last uh, six minutes or so and just talk a little bit about the importance of love language in a marriage. And you do a lot of that. You introduced me to that. Uh, what's that? Uh, Chapman? Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman, <clears throat> you introduced me to that many, many years ago. And I didn't have a clue about uh, love language. But listen, what are the love languages? And how do they help support a marriage? Okay. One love language is quality time, which happens to be my personal love language. That particular love language wants the spouse to just spend time with him or her. 
They don't care about gifts. They don't care if you wash the dishes. They don't care if you shovel the driveway, if it snows. They don't care about anything else. They really want you just to spend quality time with them. And it's not so much the quantity, but the quality. It can be one hour, but if, if within that one hour, if you're made to feel like you're important, you're heard, um, your uh, spouse supports you, and you know a whole plethora of other things, then you are so happy and so content and you feel so loved and appreciated. Now the second, now the next um, love language is words of affirmation. Would you go to words of affirmation to ask you a question? Absolutely. So if I'm in the room with you and I'm watching the NFL. That's not spending quality time. That's just sitting next to me in the same room. NBA? No. Quality time is intentional time. It's where we're talking or we're um, maybe... um, uh, doing a, a, a chore or something that we said we were going to, not a chore, but something where a project, we, a project thank you, a project. Okay. Maybe we said we were going to rearrange, you know, the room or something, but we're talking, we're laughing, we are creating memories, you know, we're having a good time, we stop, we take a break, you know, we get something to drink, we get something to eat. So we maybe dance. And we maybe dance with the music playing in the background. I mean, we're just having fun, but it's quality time. It's It's intentional time and it's my time. I think that's the key word, the intentional time. Go ahead. Yeah. And so words of affirmation for those, and let me say this before I go any further. You can have two love languages, but one will always be dominant. So I have two actually, um, but my dominant one is uh, quality time. And my second one is acts of service. So, but the acts of service is it takes a second place to the quality time. I mean, you know, I don't care about anything else. If you spend that time with me, I'm happy. So tell me about acts of service since you're on that, and then we'll go back back to words of affirmation. Okay, so acts of service. So how you need to communicate acts of service, uh, you need to use action phrases like, I'll help. The person with this gift, they just want to know that you're with them, that you're partner with them. Now, things that you can do would be you can do chores together or you can make them breakfast in bed um just go out of your way to help alleviate their daily workload that's for people whose love language is acts of service so it's almost like a distressor then yeah pretty much i take some of the stress or if you're washing clothes i may wash clothes for you that day or you clean the bathtub i may clean the bathtub that day they'll clean the bathroom you know, not just yes. the <laughs> I'm like, what about the other part? <laughs> yeah. So, so it, it's it's taking that load off of the other spouse. Yes. In an area where you're comfortable in taking that load. So, if I can't cook, I shouldn't try to take the load of cooking off of you because that's not going to be an act of service. That's going to be an act of disaster. That's going to be an act of frustration. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh goodness. Okay. So moving on to the next one, which would be words of affirmation. Now, how you can communicate this to your spouse spouse with this love language is you can encourage them, you can affirm, appreciate, empathize, and you can listen actively, active listening. Now, there's some things you can do to help, you know, help uh, let them know that you understand their love language would be you can send an unexpected note, send a text, send a card. Just genuinely encourage them and do it often. That's simple. I mean, that is so simple. 
So, you know, and even if it's not simple for you, you need to make it simple for you because you need to do that for your spouse. Um, now, the next love language is physical touch. I love this one. This <laughs> yes, you do. Physical touch. And how you um, <clears throat> communicate this is very simple. It's all clearly, as it says, physical touch is all nonverbal. So you use body language and touch to express your love for your spouse. Things you can do, a hug, a kiss. I mean, hold their hand, show some physical affection often, make intimacy a thoughtful priority because people usually nine times out of 10 with this love language, they are a romanticist. They love anything romance and romantic. So you got your work cut out for you spouses who have a spouse with this love language. So you need to be praying and thinking really hard. <laughs> and um, I think I covered them all. Nope, one more. Okay, and receiving gifts. Now, how you can communicate to your spouse with this particular love language, you can be thoughtful. Make your spouse a priority and speak purposefully. Don't just speak frivolously, just saying any old thing. Be intentional with your words, with what you say to them. And things you can do to make that happen, you know, give them thoughtful gifts. I mean, it's easy to throw money in the card at somebody. But with your spouse, you live with them day in and day out, and you should be observing them. When you dated, when you courted them, you should have been observing them, having thoughtful dialogue, watching what they do, what they like, what they talk about. So you should have a good working knowledge base on a thoughtful gift for them and a gesture towards them. Small things, you know, matter to them in a very big way. You know, express your gratitude when, re I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, express your gratitude when receiving a gift, you know? So I'm just saying, these are the five love languages and they're pretty simple and cut and dry. So let's revisit. Okay. Okay. Quality time. Quality time. Acts of service. Acts of service. Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. Physical touch. Physical touch. And receiving gifts. And receiving gifts. Thank yes. you for that one. You're welcome. <laughs> so watch this. We, we have enjoyed uh, talking with you uh, this special anniversary, marriage anniversary special. Um, and we hope that this will bless you, that you'll share it with your friends and family. You'll put it on your digital platforms. You'll allow other people to know that it's out there. Send links and text messages. But share this with people who are trying to keep the honey in the moon or possibly struggling in their marriage. And there are lots of people we know that are struggling in their marriage, struggling in their relationships. And this is even a good tool, uh, Jay, for people who are getting ready to get married. Exactly. So they listen to this and they're getting ready to get married. Yes. They need to hear this ahead of time so they can start off with a strong foundation and yes. a good core. All right? Listen, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for lending your time your mind, your heart, and your soul. And I just want to say in the immortal words of Don Cornelius. Don't do it. <laughs> okay. Oh my goodness. All right. All let right. me let me give you some some physical touch. <laughs> I love you guys. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We'll see you next week with part three of the special marriage and anniversary special. Take care. Take Bye care. now. Peace. <laughs>